We need something old, not something new. We need something steadfast and sure, not the latest machination of man or to participate in the latest round of virtue signaling. We need Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8. We need God's Word, for it is the truth that never changes. It never moves, never. Israel is instructed to keep the old paths in Jeremiah 6.16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Man's truth is not like God's truth. Man's truth of today debunks his truth of yesterday, and his truth of tomorrow will debunk his truth of today. There's a reason for that. God alone is the source of all that's true. The Word of God is just as relative today as it was thousands of years ago when it was penned. Two thousand years ago, man drove up in a chariot and committed adultery. Today, he arrives in an automobile. We need the old paths, the truth that never changes. Have you been born again, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Jesus lays out God's plan of salvation in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Until born again happens, you are not a child of God. At this place, Jesus rightly calls born again, everything changes. Your new name is written down in glory, even in the Lamb's book of life. All your sin and shame are buried with the old you, and the new man or woman in Christ Jesus arises and shines. At this place, Jesus rightly calls born again. It's true. Everything changes. In a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a single prompt that will change your life forever. At this minute, the Spirit is drawing you into the valley of decision. Will you choose life or will you choose death? Yes, your soul is in your own hand. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 reads, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, or when ye turn to the left. Here comes the prompt. Are you ready to live? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said Psalms 119 verses 97 through 100. Oh, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. God said, Proverbs 3, 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. God said, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. 
Man said, The world is full of various religious persuasions, and all of them are adolescent foolishness to a thinking person like me. The idea that the God of the Bible and His Christ of Calvary are the only way is offensive to me. I don't like it. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1034. They will certainly certify the glorious inerrancy of the God-authored Holy Bible. All of these magnificent features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the lost souls of the sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting today. May God's glorious countenance shine upon you. One of the signs of the coming battle of Armageddon is the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus speaks in Matthew twenty four twelve, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The strength of our love is measured in our surrender to God's inerrant word. Always keep in mind Revelation nineteen thirteen, which speaking of Christ and his name is called the word of God. 1 John 2, 4, and 5. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. The full focus of God said, man said, is the continual certification of the word of God, which we accomplish through credible third-party sources. Through this process, we build up the saints and win the lost unto Christ. We are in the soul business, our Father's business. This feature will offer up for your examination God Proofs 344 to 350. God Proof 344. How marvelous and exciting is the record in God's holy Bible. Yet the challenges to its veracity never cease. Be advised, child of God, the challenges in the short term may never cease, but they also never succeed. The word is never. The critics demean Joseph, the son of Jacob, and his leading of Israel into Egypt during a great famine. They challenge that the Israelites were ever in Egypt, later to be enslaved by Pharaoh. Critics question if there even was a Moses who led the children of the Hebrews out of Egypt in a great exodus. Because God's word says yes, the critics must oppose. The higher critics oppose, but the ancient historians do not concur. Dr. Grant Jeffrey reports on the ancient record of Egypt and Israel in his book, Unveiling the Mysteries of the Bible. He writes, It is fascinating to note that Strabo, another Greek historian and geographer, born in 54 B.C., also confirmed the history of the Jews and their escape from Egypt under the leadership of Moses. Strabo wrote in his book, Geography, about Moses. Among many things believed respecting the temple and inhabitants of Jerusalem, the report must, most credited is that the Egyptians were the ancestors of the present Jews. An Egyptian priest named Moses, who possessed a portion of the country called Lower Egypt, being dissatisfied with the institutions there, left it and came to Judea with a large body of people who worshipped the divinity. End of quote. Obviously, the Israelites were not descendants of the Egyptians. Dr. Jeffrey highlights the Greek historian Diodorus Siculus in the next passage. Diodorus Siculus was a Greek historian born in Sicily 
who lived from 80 to 15 B.C. He wrote extensively, creating a set of 40 volumes now called the Library of History. Deodorus traveled extensively throughout the Middle East, acquiring a vast knowledge of ancient events. In his history, Deodorus reported, In ancient times, there happened a great plague in Egypt, and many ascribed the cause of it to God, who was offended with them because there were many strangers in the land by whom foreign rites and ceremonies were employed in their worship of the deity. The Egyptians concluded, therefore, that unless all strangers were driven out of the country, they should never be freed from their miseries. Upon this, as some writers tell us, the most eminent and enterprising of those foreigners who were in Egypt and obliged to leave the country, who retired into the province now called Judea, which was not far from Egypt and in those times uninhabited. These immigrants were led by Moses, who was superior to all in wisdom and prowess. He gave them laws and ordained that they should have no images of the gods, because there was only one deity, the heaven, which surrounds all things and is Lord of the whole. Writing uh, about this Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, Dr. Jeffrey says, The Jewish historian Flavius Josephus reported that two ancient Egyptian priest scholars, Manetho and Cherimon, specifically named both Joseph and Moses as leaders of the Jews and their history of Egypt. Josephus recorded that the Egyptians remembered a tradition of an exodus from their country by the Jews, whom they hated because they believed the Israelites were unclean. Manetho and Cherimon stated that the Jews rejected Egyptian customs, including the national worship of Egyptian gods. Most important, these pagan historians acknowledge that the Jews killed the animals that the Egyptians believed were sacred, a reference to the Israelites' practice of sacrificing, sacrificing lambs on that first Passover before they fled from Egypt. This historian also confirmed that the Israelites immigrated into the area of southern Syria, which was the Egyptian term describing ancient Israel. Perhaps the most important confirmation is found in the statement by Manetho that the sudden exodus from Egypt occurred in the reign of Amenhapus, son of Ramses and father of Sethos, who reigned toward the close of the 18th dynasty, which places the exodus between 1500 and 1400 B.C. This evidence confirms the chronological data found in the Old Testament that suggests the exodus occurred approximately 1491 B.C. End of quote. As one should suspect, the Word of God is completely accurate, every jot and every tittle. God Proof 345 Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Shifting the burden of stress is a unique skill that the born again are called upon to master. It is simply childlike faith in Christ Jesus where this unique skill is demonstrated. Neuroscientist Andrew Newberg, M.D., and co-author M.R. Waldman reported the following in their book, How God Changes Your Brain, regarding stress they write. For example, high levels of stress lead to memory decline and increase the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. Again, most of the meditation discussed in this book will trigger the body's relaxation response and thereby lower stress. 
And as most people know, stress is the number one killer in America because it damages nearly every organ in the body, especially your brain. The biblical power to ship stress is solely found in faith. We must grow in faith and imagine that faith grows by a specific method. Romans 10:17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I read, hear, and speak the word of God, and my faith grows. The more one immerses oneself in the scriptures and meditates on its truths, the greater the, the, the excuse me, the development of faith. Jude 1 verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. In the presence of the word of God in prayer, stress-shifting faith flourishes. Newberg in Waldman's book, How God Changes Your Brain, notes the emphasis on meditation. Mild short-term or chronic stress impairs memory by disrupting dendritic activity. Researchers working with rats, whose brain functions are remarkably similar to humans, found that it took only one week of mild stress to cause significant alterations in dendrite organization and growth. If the situation that is causing the stress is removed, function restored, but not completely, for nearly one-third of the damaged dendrites were permanently lost if the stress was later repeated. Dendrite loss in the prefrontal cortex has also been found in aging humans. For example, we have known for decades that Alzheimer's patients will suffer this kind of loss. However, increased neural activity, which occurs in the prefrontal cortex and other parts of the brain when we meditate, tempers the effects of the loss. This is why we believe that meditation will help maintain dendrite function. It lowers the overall levels of stress while simultaneously stimulating cognitive alertness. In fact, evidence now suggests that the more you exercise your brain, the more you can slow dendrite deterioration and thus preserve your memory and cognitive skills, end of quotes. Meditating on the Word of God and praying in the Holy Ghost shifts the believer's stressful burdens. Of the blessed Psalms, chapter 1, 2, and 3 reads, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." Science comes knocking, and the childlike are already there. God Proof 346 Salvation is the greatest miracle a man can know, and its benefits are staggering. From our initial deliverance from our own carnal selves, to the redeeming of our life's energies unto eternal purpose, even to harnessing of the power of the genius of God and swallowing the grave itself. The marvels of redemption are beyond exaggeration. When you put your faith in God and His Christ, you unleash the supernatural powers of genius, and science continues to confirm. The following short excerpt is from the God Said, Man Said feature, Scientists Shocked to Find God in Implicit Pattern Learning. The summary regarding the Science Daily article titled Unconscious Learning Underlies Belief in God, study suggests, was published September 9, 2020, and it reads, Individuals who can unconsciously predict complex patterns, an ability called implicit pattern learning, are likely to hold stronger beliefs that there is a God who creates patterns of events in the universe, according to the neuroscientist. End of quote.
The believer didn't know that their obedience to God's commandments to believe in him would result in implicit pattern learning, but the God of faith did. The benefits of faith in God and his word are immediate and eternal. Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God proof 347, Genesis 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Proverbs 3, 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Could it be? The academics mock the biblical concept that the heart actually has its own brain, but not anymore. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Heart and Red Faces. The following information is from heartmath.org. Traditionally, the study of communication pathways between the head and heart has been approached from a rather one-sided perspective, with scientists focusing primarily on the heart's responses to the brain's commands. We have learned, however, that communication between the heart and brain actually is a dynamic, ongoing two-way dialogue with each organ continuously influencing the other's function. Research has shown that the heart communicates to the brain in four major ways. Neurologically, through the transmission of nerve impulses, biochemically, via hormones and neurotransmitters, biophysically through uh, pressure waves, and energetically through electromagnetic field interactions. Communication along all these conduits significantly affects the brain's activity. Moreover, our research shows that messages the heart sends to the brain can also affect performance. One of their early findings is that the heart has a complex neural network that is sufficiently extensive to be characterized as a brain on the heart. The heart brain, as it is commonly called, or intrinsic cardiac nervous system, is an intricate network of complex ganglia, neurotransmitters, proteins, and support cells, the same as those of the brain in the head. The heart's brain neural circuitry enables it to act independently of the cranial brain to learn, remember, make decisions, and even feel and sense. The article, See the Little Brain of the Heart, was published in August 1, 2020, issue of Science News, an excerpt follows. The heart has its own brain, a group of nerve cells known as the intercardiac nervous system. Now scientists have drawn a detailed 3D map of this nervous system in rat hearts. The heart's big boss is still the brain, but nerve cells in the heart have a say too. These neurons are thought to play a crucial role in heart health, helping to fine-tune heart rhythms and perhaps protecting people against certain kinds of heart disease. But this local control system hadn't been described in great detail until now. Systems biologist James Schwaber of Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia and colleagues used knife-edge scanning microscopy and genetic analysis to map the nerve cells in 3D. In a reconstructive rad heart, nerve cells that make up a heart's brain cluster around the top of the heart near where blood vessels enter and exit. End of quote. The brain of the heart, pictured in the article, sits directly on the top of the heart or upon its table. Proverbs 3, three: Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table 
of thine heart. Proverbs 7, 3. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Jeremiah 17, 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. 2 Corinthians 3, 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You have read of the heart and the heart's brain upon its table, wisdom and insights that only the Maker could know. The world's academic scorn, but not anymore. That academic mockers and scoffers release a public statement saying, Well, what do you know? The Bible was right after all. Did you see any red faces? They just can't blush. Their ignorance of God and His Word is really breathtaking. Children, be at peace. God's Word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. Your childlike faith will not be disappointed. God proved 348, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Is there any science built upon facts that proves the earth and its universe are billions of years old? The answer is absolutely not. The theory of evolution is conjecture upon conjecture. Due to a lack of real interest, most are unaware that there is a mountain of information to support a 6,000-year-old Earth. There are 107 scientific measurements alone that prove the Earth to be young, including scientific research concerning things such as population statistics, the rate of continental erosion, salinization of the oceans, helium in the atmosphere, and so much more. God's record in His Word is true and righteous altogether. Put your faith there. God proved 349, Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God instructed Moses to pen the first five books of the Bible, known as the Pentateuch, of which Genesis is the first. The Genesis record was not hand-me-down accounts passed from one generation to the next, but God's direct, hands-on, eyewitness report. Ancient, non-biblical societal records exist that were handed down from generation to generation, which makes them garbled, but they do retain amazing similarities. The following excerpts are from Haley's Bible Handbook. The particular spot which tradition has fixed as the site of the Garden of Eden is a group of mounds 12 miles south of Ur, known as Eridu. It was the home of Adapa, the Babylonian Abba. Adam, excuse me. The Weld Prism says the first two kings in history reigned at Eridu. Ancient Babylonian inscriptions say, Near Eridu was a garden, and which was a mysterious sacred tree, a tree of life planted by the gods, whose roots were deep, while its branches reached to heaven, protected by guardian spirits, and no man enters. The ruins of Eridu were excavated by Hall and Thompson of the British Museum, 1918 and 19. They found indications that it had been a prosperous city, revered as the original home of man. The region around Eridu, excavations have revealed, was densely populated in the earliest known ages of history and was for centuries the dominating center of the world, a region where many of the oldest and most valuable inscriptions have been found. Ur, home of Abraham, 
was 12 miles from Eridu. Farah, traditional home of Noah, was 70 miles away. Al-Obaid, where the oldest known historical document was found, was only 60 miles from Eridu. Lagash, where immense primitive libraries were found, was 60 miles from Eridu. Nipper, the library center was 100 miles from Eridu. Erech, Nimrod City, 50 miles from Eridu. Larsa, where Weld Prism was found, was 40 miles from Eridu. Babylon was only 150 miles from Eridu. Early Babylonian inscriptions abound in references to a tree of life from which man was driven by the influence of an evil spirit personified in a serpent and to which he was prevented from returning by guardian cherubs. Among the information on these tablets is a story of Adapa so strikingly parallel to biblical story of Adam that he is called the Babylonian Adam. Adapa, the seed of mankind, the wise man of Eridu, blameless, then he offended the gods through knowledge, then he became mortal, food of life he ate not, sickness he opposed on the people, the gods said, he shall not rest, they clothed him with mourning garment. See Price's Monuments on the Old Testament. Other traditions of the fall of man include the Persian. Our first parents, innocent, virtuous, and happy, lived in a garden where there was a tree of immortality until an evil spirit in the form of a serpent appeared. End of quote. Adam in the Garden of Eden? Of course. God proved 350. The creation of all things prophetically testifies of Jesus Christ because this pleases the Father. Colossians 1, verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Examine life and you will find prophetic biological design, a prophetic solar system and earthly geography, prophetic names and places, and they all testify of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 7. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. An example of prophetic names, names given in the anticipation of the coming Christ, is the name Bethlehem, the town where Jesus was born. Bethlehem is six miles south of Jerusalem and the home of Boaz, the great-grandfather of King David. Jesus is called in the flesh the son of David. David was anointed king over Israel at Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is also called the town of David. The name Bethlehem itself means house of bread. God named Bethlehem at least 1,300 years before the Lord's birth in that lowly manger and hundreds of years before King David became anything at all. Watch the prophecy in the name Bethlehem as you consider the words of Jesus Christ. John chapter 6, 32 through 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, every more give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Prophetic Bethlehem is truly the house of bread. As children of God, we need to know it's true. Every jot and every tittle, and praise God it is. God said, Psalms 119, 97 through 100, Oh, how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. 
Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. God said, Proverbs 3, 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. God said, Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. Man said, The world is full of various religious persuasions, and all of them are adolescent foolishness to a thinking person like me. The idea that the God of the Bible and his Christ of Calvary are the only way is offensive to me. I don't like that. Now you have the record.